First Samuel chapter two. First Samuel chapter two. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of coming into your house to hear your word, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that uh, we understand the reasons that you continue to uh, teach us your word. And to command your word to us, Lord God, is, is so that we can be more like Jesus Christ. But also, Lord God, you have called us uh, to be believers who also spread your word abroad, Lord God. So help us uh, to internalize your word. Uh, not again so that we can keep it to ourselves uh, to become ingrown, uh, but yet, Lord God, that uh, others may hear your word. Uh, they may hear the love that you have for them and what you have done for them in Jesus Christ. So we invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Lord God, we pray uh, that uh, the seed that you implant in our hearts, Lord God, that it will be implanted in good soil, uh, that it may bear 30, 60, 90, uh, 100 fold, Lord God, before you, but all to your glory today, Lord. So, Father, we come against the very mind, Lord God, that be resistant to your word. We come against uh, anyone's desire, Lord God, to put up a shield against you in this place today. Father, use your Holy Spirit to penetrate through the hard exterior shell, Lord God, uh, that we have built up over this week or that has been built up over the month, over the year, Lord God. Use your word, Lord God, to speak to our hearts, that our hearts may be softened before you today. So again, Lord God, we say that we love you, Lord God. Lord God, we also admit that sometimes we don't want to hear what you have to say. But other times we can't wait to hear what you have to say. So we embrace it all the same. So with an open heart... An open spirit to you, Lord God. We receive your word today. And it is in the name of our Savior that we pray. Jesus Christ. Amen. In the last episode of this series, we will again take a look at a woman of God named Hannah. You remember Hannah, right? In the last few weeks, we have observed this woman traverse through one of the most difficult things any woman can go through. And that is that innate desire to have her own biological child, but can't for some reason or another. Uh, but to compound the problem, as you know, was the presence of what I call the sister wife who was successful at shaming Hannah uh, because Hannah couldn't have any children, but yet uh, sister wife Panina could have kids. It's always a competition amongst people. So this placed Hannah in an emotional tailspin that drove her to her knees in prayer to call upon the name of the Lord. Through that prayer we find out in 1 Samuel chapter 1 
uh, Hannah, she vowed that if the Lord would bless her with a son, uh, that she had vowed uh, that, that, that God, I will give that son to you. He will be yours. He will be yours, Lord, all of his life if you are ever so gracious to me. So the next season of her life, it approached, and she did conceive, and she did have that child, uh, as the Lord uh, had provided for her. But then we found out last time that she, she had to face the fact that uh, this only kid that she had, this only kid that she had vowed before the Lord to give to him all of his life, that she had to give him up. Mm. Keeping her vow, she did as she said that she would. Uh, though we understand giving up anything, let alone a child, is a very difficult thing to do, especially when we love it so much. Yet this woman of God named Hannah, she kept her commitment to the Lord. Uh, this is the reason why Especially today when we look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, we call Hannah a woman of persistent prayer. Now, uh, just because we're looking at Hannah as a woman being uh, of persistent prayer doesn't mean that we as men can't learn anything from her. Amen? Just think about it. You know, week after week after week, uh, the women in our church, they hear all these stories about all these men right, and all these lessons that we need to learn, then up pops Hannah, right? Some men would say, some men would probably not even preach on a passage like that. But I tell you, there is something that we should learn because God has placed that there for a woman, this woman of persistent prayer. So uh, the very first part of the series, we found out why she prayed and how she prayed and the results of that prayer. But today when we look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, we find out that her prayers take on a different dimension and a different depth. It's different this time. It's totally different. Something that we see here uh, in this second prayer that we did not see in prayer number one. This time she exhausts the Lord and recognizes uh, some key theological facts about our God. Amen? Uh, that was completely, almost completely absent other than uh, the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies uh, that we saw in prayer number one. But other than that, it was kind of devoid of the, the theological uh, things, uh, key facts that we find out about God here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And we will find out here that she does exalt the Lord in her prayer. Do you ever exalt the Lord in your prayers? Do we ever recognize any type of great theological facts about God and who he is when we begin to pray? Or do our prayers consist mainly of a long thing, a long list of things that we're asking God for? God, gimme, 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 amen, right? What do your prayers look like? Today's message is a challenge to all of us. 
It is a challenge to all of us to approach prayer as a time to glorify the Lord and recognize his divinity and him being Lord over all of creation. And I know this is a challenge. I know this is a challenge for some of us churchgoers, right? Because ever since, in essence, we were kids, what have we learned, Lord? If I die before I wake, right? Lord, you know, take care of me before I go to sleep. Lord God, I thank you for this food that I have on the table and also for the hands that provided it for me. Lord, I thank you for the peace that you provide for me. God, I thank you for Jesus Christ and how he has redeemed my soul. You see, most of our prayers, they seem to be self-directed. It's always, somehow, always about us. So I know this is a challenge. So today, let's learn from Hannah, this woman of God, and let's get spiritual discernment and understanding as to how she got where she was in her prayer life. For Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. The Lord is worthy of praise because he delivers. He is holy and he is matchless. Amen. Verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derives my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, like Yahweh. For there is none besides you. There is no rock like ours. Let's see, we have a horn here and we have a rock. One of the greatest things to observe about Hannah is her struggle, her prayer, and also her faith. It is true that the Lord has given us plenty to learn through her walk of faith, Concerning how she dealt with the reality of a real-life situation and a real-life problem. In retrospect, we see how Hannah, in the midst of great bitterness, uh, turned to the Lord instead of uh, uh, turning a fist, right? Uh, some of us, uh, we can get so mad, been there, done that, and, and I thought I was done with it, but sometimes we can get so mad that we want to turn a fist instead of turning to the Lord, Amen. No, I'm telling you, uh, that's no excuse for you. Well, Pastor Spencer said that, you know, so it's okay for me. So, no, don't put that on me. God doesn't want you to do that. All right, so don't put that on me. Sometimes it's very difficult uh, not to turn in bitterness and instead to turn to the Lord when we are at the very heart of a great spiritual or emotional struggle. Some way, somehow, uh, 
when we struggle, it, it, it causes us to clam up before the Lord. So the very person that says that you come to me when you are burdened, you come to me when you have a problem, you come to me when things are not going well. A lot of times when things are not going well, one of the things we say is, I just don't feel like praying. We actually do the opposite of what God wants us to do. Uh, things don't go well. Uh, you know what? I just don't feel like going to church today. Oh, I just don't feel like, I, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading God's word. Why? Because that bitterness has somehow uh, soaked into our hearts uh, like a lemon, right? Uh, like a lemon cooks raw fish and causes it to, to, to draw up and to be cooked, actually. Uh, bitterness is like that line that we eat in our mouth and we take it and it you know, causes us to our lips to purse like that. That somehow we can't express to the Lord what's going on with us and, 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 and to tell him, oh Lord, this is what's going on. I need your help. But instead we do like this. We cross our arms. Instead of opening our arms, uh, pleading with God, we close our arms to him, uh, saying, I need to figure this out on my own. Hmm. Yet God did something very gracious in Hannah's life. There is indeed something to be said about a person who has succeeded after a great time of failure or lack of success. <laughs> I tell you, Boy, you should, you should hear some conversations I've just had over these last couple of days. That's all I can say. But it's oftentimes that after we have endured how God gives us great success. This was Hannah. That she did not run when things got rough, but she ran to God. One of the things, as I began to say to myself and not to others, and now I say it to you, as I began to get a little older in life, that one of the things that I discovered is that people who seem to have life kind of easy, that they are prone to be spoiled and oftentimes feel with the least amount of grace. Yes, uh, when, when things come very easy to them, uh, uh, sometimes they don't, they don't really appreciate those things until those things are gone. But when you've had to pull yourself up time and time again, there seems to develop a certain fragrance, uh, a certain uh, aroma that gives off the scent of Jesus Christ, especially when we humble ourselves before him. It is here that probably the greatest opportunity, the greatest chance for ministry that we find Hannah in the midst of this situation. What we see in Hannah now is a woman in whom the Holy Spirit has matured. Right? So all you have to do is look at Hannah's first prayer and then look at Hannah's second prayer. And you will discover that something happened in her life. The Holy Spirit matured her. The attention we place on Hannah is her prayer and how she grew through the years of tough barrenness. 
If we never learn to grow closer to the Lord when times are rough, when times are very hot, when we go through that personal drought, when will we grow up then? Because certainly uh, we don't think about God when, uh, when uh, the harvest is plenty, right? It is at these moments that we don't need God when we, we take the tractor out there and there's always corn. There's always anything else that you like to eat. Uh, we don't need that. As long as my tractor is working good, I can get out there every day and I can work really, really hard. Oh, as long as the car is running, I'm good to go. I can go down the highway with a music blast. I'm good to go. I don't have time for prayer. But man, you let our cars break down. I've been there. I've been there driving on the expressway. Oh, happy think I had it together. Uh, my wife will tell you in my cool coat. And my cool self driving down there all sharp with a suit on, driving down the expressway. And I'm driving and driving. Then all of a sudden I get all red lights on my dashboard. You see, when I was driving, I wasn't thinking about God. But as soon as those red lights went on, I said, oh, Jesus. It took me straight to prayer. You see? So in uh, these very difficult times, these are the times that God is calling us, uh, you better come to me now, else you're really going to be in trouble. When are we going to grow? When will we mature? Is it going to be when the good is going well? Hannah's prayer life has grown substantially. Because of time and occasion. And part of our growth in our prayer life is also because of time and because of occasion. First time. Prayer should grow out of a, a depth of experience. And even study and acceptance of who God is. As we study the word of God, what emerges is a picture of our Lord and how he interacts with us. It is how we are able to say what God can and can't do in many respects. So we study God's word. He reveals himself to us. Will we know every single thing, every single aspect of God by reading this word? Uh, the answer is no. But we will learn a lot. So this is not a 100% exhaustive of God, but it is everything that he wants us to know about him. Amen? So as we study God's word, we learn about him and we mature over time. Our goal should be to know more about the Lord in a year than we do today. How many of you can say that I'm actually a, 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 a little, a, a little uh, stronger in my faith, that I have grown in my faith more today than I did last year? Can you say that about yourself? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand, kind of a, a rhetorical question, uh, but... Whether it's yay or nay, if it's nay, then I challenge you to get yourself in that place, else God is going to get you in that place. So we should make it up in our minds to open our hearts to the truths of Scripture. 
If we reject, if we reject what we see in God's word in the scripture, we're simply revealing the depth of sinfulness that lurks beneath the surface of our, of our flesh in the abyss of our darkened hearts. Hannah also spent a good portion of time dealing with her problem before the Lord, and this was the occasion. And so we talk about the time, now this was the occasion. Her answer did not come quickly, and most of the time, neither do ours. Amen? And I'm not saying amen because I wanted it to happen that way. I'm saying amen because it is a fact of life. You pray to the Lord, and it's like, God, look, look, when are you going to answer? How long are you going to keep me hanging and dangling out there like that? That's, that's the reality of where we are, uh, and that's our occasion, that situation. As Hannah struggled, we struggle. As Hannah had to constantly make a choice not to be bitter, we have to do the same thing. You know, we have to choose not to be bitter. You know what, Lord, I'm not going to be bitter. And a lot of times it requires self-talk talk through the word of God. What does the word of God say? Right? What does God's word say about being bitter? Uh, we should not be bitter. Uh, uh, come on, come on, Pastor Spencer, don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. No, 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 don't be bitter. God does not want you this way. So this combination of time and occasion producing Hannah, this mature prayer that actually reveals God to us. So in the depth of Hannah's prayer, she reveals a part of who, of, who God is. You know, I, I know that uh, some of you, you, you knew that I was preaching about Hannah, uh, my sermon series, and I wonder how many of you were thinking, I wonder if he's actually going to preach chapter 2. Is he really going to, how is he going to preach chapter 2? How is he going to make that work? Well, uh, well, 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 this is what God wanted us to see. He wanted us to see how Hannah grew in her prayer life. So now, we see Hannah is now able to make her boast in the Lord. If you read here, beginning in verse 1, and Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts uh, in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemy because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. She exalts in the Lord. She declares her strength as emanating from him. This is what it means when it mentions, uh, it mentions her horn. Right? It's talking about the horn of an animal, and oftentimes the horn of an animal basically represents strength. So in other words, Hannah is saying that I found my strength in the Lord when I was going through, that I did not find my strength in my own self. I did not find my strength in my own, uh, pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, but I found my strength, I found my horn in the Lord. He is the one that made me strong. He is the one that lifted me up. So therefore I find my my faith, my favor, and my love in Jesus Christ. Her answer did not come quickly. Therefore, unbelievers, immature believers, and the otherwise uninformed may find it difficult, if not impossible, to see the Lord in these terms, right? Uh, if you're an unbeliever, if you are an immature believer, or you, if, you're just, if you just don't know about God, uh, this is something that is kind of hard for you to grasp. It doesn't make sense. 
We have observed Hannah's prayer move from the self-focused to one rich, right here it is, rich in a theological framework uh, that was not informed by a seminary education. So, so, so Hannah is talking all these things about God and she didn't go to seminary. Hannah didn't go to Bible college, but yet uh, she, uh, she speaks well about who God is. In these difficult times, we must all decide whether or not we will continue faithfully following the Lord with an expectation that he will answer our prayers how in his way and timing, or uh, will you give up? Will you give up? on God? Will you shut the door right when God is about to walk in? What will you do? Right when God is ready to bless you, what will you say? I, I can't wait any longer. I'm going to go and do my own thing. And you know this, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. You know this. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you think about adding to the word of God, I'm uh, not adding to the word of God the, the, what uh, James has in mind. He has in mind all the saints, right? So when I say brothers and sisters, know that Pastor Spencer is not adding to the word of God, all right? So don't be cursing me, amen? Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. But you have got to hear this. This is how uh, uh, Eugene Peterson does this, how he phrases this in the, uh, the message. Listen at this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't ask God to take you out. You, 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 you know what I'm talking about, right? Lord, just get me out of this situation. Uh, what Eugene Peterson, he actually has the, the whole sense of the passage that we uh, read before in the ESV. He's, he's saying that our prayer to God should be, don't remove me from this situation ahead of time. Why? Because if, if God removes us from the situation ahead of time, then we would not have learned our lesson. You know how it goes, because when you don't learn a lesson the first time, what happens? Oh, let's try that again. When we don't learn the lesson the first time, what? We have to what? Get right back on the merry-go-round. So I'm not sure how many of you were like me when I was a kid. I only had one whooping for being bad. Right? But most kids are not like that. Most kids, well, maybe you did. Maybe you had the new, uh, <laughs> as, as my mother always said, the newfangled kind of parent that you never, your parent never has to discipline you, never whip you on the backside or anything like that. Maybe you had that kind of parent, and for there, I can't help you there, whatever. You are the kind of kid uh, that you end up, okay? But anyway, uh, but most of us, oftentimes, every now and then, we have to get a little alignment going on from our parents, right? 
Because somehow when our parents tell us to behave, somehow we forget. Or somehow you all forget. Soon as they tell us to behave, the next thing you do, we're trying to figure out, I'm going to do my own thing anyway. Next thing you turn around, we end up getting a little alignment on the backside again. So we don't see Hannah spiritually at this place in the beginning, right? In the beginning, it's like, Lord, I need a kid. I'm being shamed. I need a kid. I'm being shamed. Boy, I tell you, you know, I'm not sure uh, if the solution from being shame is to have more kids, else uh, we'd be filled up in here with all of our own kids in here. But for Hannah, this was a, a real issue. I don't want to be shamed, so Lord, please give me a kid. Uh, that was her personal struggle. And Jesus would have us to view our situation in light of this while we're going through. It's not an easy task, but well within the grasp of any believer who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Are you indwelt by the Holy Spirit? And if you're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to know Jesus Christ. In this prayer song, Hannah also scoffs at those who put her down. Uh, look at that in, in verse 1. Uh, she says, my mouth derides my enemies. In other words, it looks like she's putting her enemies down. I don't believe this is uh, some type of childish tease of others. Why? Because they were already undone. What we see is the judgment of God at work in people who would act in unrighteousness. The Lord is worthy of praise and exaltation for who he is and how he delivers his people. In this prayer, Hannah also deals with those who are big-headed and exalt their own success as if the Lord didn't bless them in the first place. The godless and the arrogant will come to ruin. I'm not going to even ask you to write that down. The godless and the arrogant, they will come to ruin. Starting in verse 2, and I'm going to kind of skip around here. Verse 2. Talk uh, no more so very proudly. I think this is verse 3. Uh, uh, verse 3. Uh, talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The beginning of verse 4. The bowls of the mighty are broken. Verse 5. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. End of verse 5. But she who has many children is forlorn. How do people ever figure out that they are better than others and have a right to oppress folks? That is the one thing about success which is deceptive and eventually becomes very damning to our spiritual health if we are not humble before the Lord. Understand this is not just true uh, concerning money, but also concerning our giftings and our talents. Uh, some folks don't have the money to brag about. But some folks, you know, they like to brag about uh, how much better of a singer I am than you are. Right? I don't have to worry about that because everybody better, well, almost everybody is better than I am a singer. Amen, Pastor Scott? Almost everybody, right? And, and, and for some of us, uh, you may be able to run or do flips better than anybody else, right? Uh, what is your situation? In this text, we see Hannah mentioned that since the Lord is a God of knowledge, he is able to weigh the actions of all. 
Here again, she alludes to a theological construct of God and who he is. And that is, uh, she's saying, in other words, that God is omniscient. And we know that means what? God, uh, let's try it again. So Hannah is alluding to a theological construct of who God is concerning uh, him knowing everything, right? There's your answer. And concerning that he is omniscient. So that means what? God... God knows everything. Can't hide from him. You cannot hide. Uh, now don't be fooled into thinking that just because we also know a few things about God, that he will give us a pass on sinfulness. Right? Yeah, I know that about you. Uh, not only are you omniscient God, uh, but you're also uh, omnipresent as well, right? And I know that you are pox, right? Uh, you are peace, Lord God. And you are also, you are love. Lord, you are all of these things. And so because I know all these things, I can go and live my life in sin. <laughs> I see this in the God talk of people who have all the answers about God, but in practice, they're very far from him. They talk the holy talk. Oh, thus thou, this, that, and the other, right? And by the way, people who say that you got to talk, and you know my conversation, if you have to talk in thus thou, and this, that, and the others, and, and thereforths, and all the other things, uh, you know that that's nothing but old English, right? Amen? All right, so I want to encourage you to get an updated version of the Bible. Amen. Amen. That's the way they used to talk. That's like saying, well, I'm going to uh, create a, a version of the Bible that's, uh, uh, that's uh, Ebonics, right? You say, well, that's nothing but regular talk. Well, believe it or not, all those this, thou's, thuts, and all the other things, that was nothing but a common language. As a matter of fact, the very first uh, uh, Bible outside of the original language that they had put together was originally done in all Latin. As a matter of fact, when you think about the New Testament, and for that matter, even the Old Testament, in the Greek language that it was done, it was actually done in Koine Greek, which happens to be, guess what, a common language of the people. All right, so I don't know how I got on that. How did you all get me on that? Amen. You all pray for me. So looking at our text, we see the outcome of those who had many children. Verse 5, but she who has many children is forlorn. And there's that word again. It means to be pitifully sad and lonely. So uh, I believe that uh, Hannah was now looking at Penina, right? Remember Penina at one time, uh, she was riding on her high horse. Oh, Hannah, you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. I got all these kids and can get more from my man and your man while you ain't got nothing, right? And, and, and Hannah was sad and she was bitter, all these other things. But now, uh, listen to her prayer. In other words, uh, this is not a prophecy in one sense, in another sense it is. But she is saying, now this woman who had many children is, uh, girl, you're just pitiful. You're sad. And you're lonely. All those kids that you had was not the answer to your heart. See, Hannah, she got it. She knew that the answer to her heart is really God. But for Panina, she found satisfaction in putting down someone else. So now that she can no longer put down Hannah, what is there left to do? Sad and lonely. See, that emotional outcome for Panina was not a positive one. 
But then we notice, if we are careful in our study, that there's also an air of the prophetic coming from the lips of, of, of Hannah. And we get this by looking at Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 9. Jeremiah 15, verse 9. And I'm reading, Jeremiah utters this prophetic uh, statement. And she who bore seven has grown feeble. She has fainted away. Her son went down while it was yet day. She has been shamed and disgraced. And the rest of them I will give to the sword before their enemies declares the Lord. So Hannah announces that God has it out for all the unfaithful. Here, probably talking about the nation of, uh, of Israel or any other nation for that matter who, who runs away from God and who once had it going on. So there is a great warning for those who disdain the guidance of the Holy Spirit that prevents us ultimately from offending God. The key is to take time to listen to the voice of the Lord. The faithful and the weak will be uplifted. Amen. Verse 4. But the feeble bind on strength. Verse 5. But those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven. If you are walking with the Lord, you can expect his blessings. Amen. I know you want his blessings. I do. While there are warnings in the prophetic to those who would offend the Lord, there's also great hope and abundant blessings for the faithful. Recall how Hannah pressed ever so closely to the Lord, even though in some sense she felt abandoned by him. We, we read that it was the Lord who closed her womb in the first place, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 5, that God had something to do with it. The uninformed may look at the Lord in this, in this situation and look at him with much suspicion. Some then could understand if Hannah did abandon God and if she abandoned her faith, you would understand that if God caused this to happen to you, you would understand why you would turn away from God. What happened to Hannah was a test of faith for her. And these types of things, they are a test of faith for us as well. Will we continue in the faith knowing there are some things that doesn't make sense and which we may not understand? So there are some things that you may go through. And there are some things that you may still wonder about. Why did God let it happen? Just, it just doesn't make sense. Why did you let it happen now? God, you have all power. You have all knowledge. Why did you let it happen? One of the conversations over this past weekend was a, uh, someone telling a story about how it was a pastor, and how he needed money to pay for several surgeries for his son who had epileptic seizures probably about at least 12 every single day, even though they were on medication. Every single day. They said uh, practically every single hour this child had seizures. And he said they were broke. He said they were broke. They had no money, obviously no, no insurance. It, it was just really tough for them. So he's trying to figure out what he could do. So he decided what he would do is, you know, uh, I, I believe there was a church. They began to uh, give him funds. But it was, I mean, you know how it is in a hospital, right? You spend a day there, and if you have to pay it out your own pocket, you almost broke just after a day. You know how it is. So it was a lot of money, so they had raised uh, a, a good portion of the money, but there's still a substantial amount of money uh, that needed to be paid off. As a matter of fact, needed to be paid before the child had the surgery. 
before the child had the surgery. So one of the things he decided to do, he decided to bid out some of his skills in order to make money. And one of his skills was painting, like painting houses, exteriors, interiors. So he had put himself out there and he had bid his skills out. And uh, one person bid it on his skills, one person. And it was, whatever you need a painting in your house, I'll do it. So he agreed, but this is what he agreed to. The highest bidder was $50. 50 bucks. Can you believe that? So he said he was pretty angry. And he was thinking about not even, not even doing it, but he says he's going to go ahead and he's going to keep his word. So he decides to, uh, uh, he calls the guy up. He said he was, he was very, he, he said he was very ticked off. He was very ticked off. But he, he's going to do it anyway. And he's driving, he gets a direction, plots a direction to the guy's house. He's driving to the guy's house and he's noticing that as he's getting to this guy's house that the neighborhoods are becoming more and more affluent. And then he finally pulls up at this home and it was at least, uh, at least 4,000 square feet. So he, you know, reluctantly, he rings the doorbell and I know what you're saying. I, I would have just turned around and said, forget that. I no way I'm going to keep it. But he says that he could not have done that. And he rings the doorbell. He says, this older gentleman comes to the door and he says, who are you? So they introduce himself. He said, I'm going to paint your house. He said, okay. And the old man tell him, okay, I want you to do two coats. He said, it was so tough. Uh, he said, it was like two stories on the back end on the side of a mountain that he had to do as well. So he's really, I mean, he's, I mean, he's just really upset. He was actually about to cry just thinking about this story. So he does it and it takes him weeks to do it. Weeks! Not like a day, it takes him weeks to paint this man's house. And uh, he finishes. And he said he's, he's still mad. Because he knows now that he's, he had to stop doing other work in order to keep his word. He already didn't have any money. So he says, we're going to go broke now. He says, but on the final day, he noticed that uh, there was this guy staring so this guy pulls up and this guy says, I am this man's son. And I've been watching you for all for weeks. He's been watching. He says, and I wanted to see whether or not if you Christians would ever keep your word. And he says, you guys did. And I just want to talk with you. Come to find out this son, he owns uh, the son that was watching him he owns uh, several businesses and one of the things that he did was build homes and he says this is what I'm going to do for you I'm currently in process my company of building all these condominiums he says I am going to build a condominium just for you and your family and he said he actually does it he builds the condominium brand new custom just for him he says okay he walks up he gives them the deed, so here it is, you just need to sign here. He says, so he signs, he's like, then the guy says, okay, now we're going to put it up for sale. They put it up for sale, and it sells almost immediate, immediately for, I think, over like $125,000.
which pretty much took care of uh, the remainder of the bill that he had. You see, sometimes when we go through things, it just, it just doesn't make sense. It's important for us to be faithful. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to get you to do some things that I want you to do. But what I'm saying is I want you to be faithful to God. So God took what this man had, this man sacrificed, and he thought that he would go broke over $50 in a few weeks. Say he was already basically poor. He didn't have anything. But God multiplied it exponentially. Hannah gave her son to the Lord. In return, God gave Hannah more children. You know she had more children other than Samuel, right? Honestly, the problem we typically have is the inability to re release what we have to God so he can bless us. We're holding on to things. God says, you know, give me what you have so I can bless you. And we're like, oh, Lord, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's kind of like sometimes people who have like a, a savings account, right? And you're making like 0.5% in a savings account, right? On a personal level. But you don't want to, let's say, bump it up to a, a money market fund that gives you 1% because, oh, no, that's too risky, right? Uh, in other words, you don't want to let go of that point. 5% in which inflation is going to eat up anyway in order to get uh, 1% and you think everything is going to disappear. The crisis of faith will force us to come face to face with whether or not we really are in love with God. Crisis of faith. And I'm going to tell you, if you have not had a crisis of faith, I'm praying for you that you will. Because there's nothing like it. There's nothing that drives us to a point of prayer and closeness to God as a crisis of faith. There's nothing like it in the world. Finally, through Hannah's prayer, we discover that, that, that God, that Yahweh, Jesus Christ, that he is sovereign and he will intervene for you. Yes, he will. God will intervene for you. Here we go. Verse 6, 1 Samuel 2. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. Verse 9. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces against them. He will thunder in heaven. The Lord, Yahweh, will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. We can't place the Lord into our own little neat boxes. God is sovereign, meaning that he does what he wants to do according to his own timing in your life and in my life. We ain't got nothing to do with that. It's all about God and his sovereignty, his providence. But we have a problem with that because our need is pressuring us right now. <laughs> Yet there's a place that we need to be and it all revolves around us loving him and trusting him with our whole heart and with all of our strength. Will you do that today? There will be moments, there will be plenty of them, 
Keep on living. There's going to be moments that you are not going to understand. There's going to be moments that you just, you're not, it just, it, it just doesn't make sense. It just, uh, you're just perplexed. There will be things that will trouble us to a great degree. And we will want to know why, but the answer will always elude us. Brothers and sisters, how Hannah saw God as we look at her prayer, I want to encourage you to trust him. I want to encourage you to follow him in faith and just love him afresh and anew today. Let's pray.